0: Thanks for checking out our current series, Mind Control. Are you tired of losing the same old mental battles against lust, worry, anger, and fear? God's Word shows us how to take back control of our minds and gain victory over our thoughts, our emotions, and our lives. We hope you enjoy listening. Of course, that's a clip from the movie Lone Survivor, some real-life footage of Navy SEAL training, something those guys learned that you kind of pick up on that video. When you go to Navy SEAL training or Army Ranger training, and things like that, is they learn that oftentimes, in order to do something, you just have to overcome the obstacle in your mind. That a lot of times, the thing holding you back from doing what seems impossible or too difficult is just a mental block. And so, part of their training becomes overcoming that mental block or pushing through that mental barrier to accomplish something that seems almost impossible to do. And I'm excited about this series we're starting today. I hope that you will consider committing to coming all four weeks. Because we're really just going to cover one piece of the puzzle each week. And and I want you guys to be able to take back control of your minds. When I said last week that we were starting a series this week called Mind Control, then like instantly all the guys I was talking to, like their minds went to like you know, trying to control somebody else's mind. But, but really what we're talking about is learning how to take back control of your own mind. And that for too many of us, we've lived decades trapped by a mental barrier of discouragement or worry or lust or fear. We've just lived that way for so long, we don't even know any other way. And we want to change. And I kind of had this thought, I don't know, if you're a note taker, Tuesday, do we got those notes back there? I forgot to, can you pass them out? So I got some, we don't ever do this at our church, right? I wasn't even sure if we should do it today. But I feel like what we're going to talk about over the next four weeks is such a like a a teaching time, more so than a preaching time. So I made a little like uh, outline for you guys. And you can uh, fill in the blanks if you want to. You don't have to nobody's going to grade it, right? But if you want to kind of follow along, this would be like a good study guide you can take with you. Just some of the main things we're going to talk about today. But I hope you'll commit to be here for all four weeks. And if you do, we're going to unravel one piece or one quarter of the puzzle each of the four weeks. How you can take back control of your mind where for decades maybe you've had a mental block, keeping you discouraged or afraid or worried or just consumed with lust or anger. And I thought about this week, and I thought, you know, one of the most frustrating things in the whole world is to have the desire to change but not be able to change. And I've known lots of guys who have sat right beside me and communicated a great desire to change in some area. I want to be faithful to my wife I want to stop being so angry I want to be wiser with my money I want to be more like that guy or that girl but yet not seem to have the ability to make those changes it's like their mind is trapped and so for the next four weeks what I want to talk to you about is how to make those changes And what you're going to find out, just like those Navy SEALs found out in training, is that most of the time, to make the change you want to make, it all starts right here in your mind. And that if you can get control over your mind, the actions you want to see changed will just follow suit. Mind control. So today I want to help you break down those barriers i want you to move in essence from the passenger seat to the driver's seat see imagine life being like a car ride and god is like your nav system right like he's always telling you the directions to go and sometimes you go those directions and sometimes you don't and if you don't god kind of you know gently gives you a course correction He's like recalculating, you know, you need to go this way now. But for most of us, we're taking that car ride in the passenger seat and the ride is virtually the same. The only difference from the passenger seat to the driver's seat is that when you're in the driver's seat, you get to actually make the decisions to follow the navigation system. Most of us feel like we're just sitting in the passenger seat and life is just kind of happening to us and it's out of control. We don't have any ability to control the decisions we make or the directions we go. And God continues to speak those directions and we hear them whether it's at a church service or from a friend we're talking to or from our own heart or from reading God's Word or from listening to some sermon online or from reading a blog or checking out some quote somebody put on Facebook. We hear these directions coming from the navigation system But we're in the passenger seat and feel like we're completely unable to make any turns or course corrections. Today, I want that to start to change for you. I want to move you from the passenger seat to the driver's seat to give you back control over whether or not you make those decisions to follow the navigation system. So to do that, I'm going to give you two principles These are kind of the overriding principles of this whole series. If you don't believe these two things, you will never gain control of your mind. You'll never be able to break the cycle that you feel trapped in where you think you can't overcome what you keep struggling with. These are two kind of overriding themes, and you should believe them. Even without me telling them to you, the only thing that would keep you from believing them is your experiences. Where you feel like you are stuck and these can't be true for you. But they are true. So if you don't believe these principles, you'll stay stuck. So here they are. Let me give them to you. Here's the first one. The first principle for this series is this. The way you think will eventually determine the way you live. Now you can choose not to believe that. You you can fake it but only for a little while the way you think will eventually always determine the way you live in other words you can hate your spouse but pretend to love them for a little while but eventually if you hate them you will start to live like you hate them you can only fake it for so long you can obey your parents but in your heart hate their guts and be defiant And I'm going to tell you that after a little bit of time, you will eventually start to just disobey them. You can pretend to be a good employee at work, but hate your job. Think your boss is an idiot. Think this is just a stepping stone to another job. And if that goes on long enough, the way you think will eventually spill out into the way you work. And you'll start to cut corners and cheat, do things when the boss is not looking take shortcuts You can pretend to be happy and joyful on your face but secretly think everybody else is a big jerk You can post nice things on Facebook but secretly think she's a behind the scenes And what I'm telling you is eventually the way you think will determine the way you live You'll start to stab people in the back Betray those closest to you. Cut corners at work. Mishandle your finances. And it will all have stemmed from the wrong thinking. The way you think will eventually determine the way you live. You can convince yourself that you'll always be this way or that you were born this way. Well, I'm a guy and all guys are like this. Well, I'm just an angry person, but that runs in my family. Well, I don't handle money very well, but I've never been really good with numbers. So it's just the way I'm always going to be because it's the way I've always been. It's the way I was wired and born. But those are just lies. There was a book about 20 or 25 years ago that came out called Switch on Your Brain. I don't know if you heard of this. It was a New York Times bestseller. There were some classes in school I was at, had to do this for required reading. It was written by a, a lady named Dr. Carolyn Leaf, who's actually from South Africa. But she wrote this book called Switch on Your Brain. She's a psychologist who specializes in thoughts and the brain and the connection between your brain and your real life. She's said all kinds of like quotable stuff that I've heard growing up things like uh the brain the human brain is the most powerful force in the whole universe apart from God. And that's probably true if you think about what the human brain can accomplish. It can dream. It can imagine things that aren't there. It can look at blueprints and make something out of it. It can solve problems. It can think differently than it speaks. It can calculate. It's pretty Amazing, the human brain. But she wrote this quote in that book, Switch, your brain, Switch on Your Brain. And this is what she said. She said, Your thoughts collectively form your attitude, which becomes your state of mind. And it is your attitude and not your DNA that ultimately determines much of the quality of your life. In a sense, what she's saying is, you tend to become what you think you are. Right? Have you ever heard that? Now you could go to all kinds of like self-help seminars and and read all kinds of like self-help books or self-image books and you'd hear something like that, right? That you tend to become who you think you are. It's like the power of positive thinking, right? And yet somehow we convince ourselves that we are really who we were born to be. Not who we think we are. That we are really destined to be what our family has been. That we're really destined to be like the rest of our gender is. But really, it's your thoughts that form your attitudes, and it's those attitudes that make up the quality of your life. It's why one person can seem to have everything but always be miserable, and another person can seem to have very little or nothing and yet seem to be content. Why is that? Because their thoughts have formed attitudes that have dictated the quality of their life they have become who they think they are and what the Bible teaches us is this isn't just some random thing that flows through your organ we call the brain that you actually have a part in choosing whether or not to have the right thoughts or the wrong thoughts. The right attitudes or the wrong attitudes. The right quality of life or the wrong quality of life. You play a part in the process. I mean, I know she wrote this book 20 years ago. But God talked about this stuff thousands of years ago. L- look at Deuteronomy chapter 30, starting in verse 19. This is God speaking, and he says, Today I have given you the choice between life and death between blessings and cursings. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. You play a part in the process. You get the choice between life and death, between blessing and cursing. He goes on to say what the choice for right thinking looks like, what the choice for right attitude looks like, what the choice for the great quality of life you want looks like. Here's what it looks like in verse 20. He says, you can make this choice by loving the Lord your God, obeying Him, and committing yourself firmly to Him. This is the key to life. It's not just some random strands of DNA not just some inherited traits. It's not just the circumstances around you. No, it's a choice you get to make. A choice for life or a choice for death. A choice for blessing or a choice for cursing. What will you choose? It doesn't just happen. And it leads me to the second principle for this series. So if you missed the first one, the first one was the way you think will eventually determine the way you live. But the second one, you've got to believe. And you've got to believe both of these or you're never going to get control of your mind. The second principle you've got to believe for this series is this. You cannot control what happens to you, but you can control what happens through you. Another way to say that would be this. You cannot control your circumstances, but you can control your responses. There's a statistic that says 75 to 95% of our physical, mental, and and psychological sicknesses, 75 to 95% of them all stem from our thoughts. That our thoughts have this amazing impact on our real life, how we feel, our mental state, our emotional well-being. In other words, what flows out of you is a result of what builds up inside of you. You guys get that? What flows out of you is a natural result of the things that build up inside of you. Like God said in Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7 For as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Isn't it amazing how all of our psychological principles that make so much sense today were spoken by God 5, 6, 7,000 years earlier? What he's saying is, as you think inside, eventually that is how you will be. That's what will flow out of you. You don't necessarily have control over what happens to you, but you do have control of what flows through you. It's a result of the way you think. It builds up inside of you and then overflows into your life. That Dr. Leaf that I referenced, she said it like this. When you think, you are literally building thought pathways. These thoughts become physical substances in your brain. Eventually, what she's saying is you rewrite your brain. This is the basis of neurochemistry. That your thoughts overflow into actions, and those actions become habits, and those habits literally rewrite the neurons in your brain. To where you don't even think about it anymore. They just become rote responses. You don't even consider them. Let me give you an example of this. When you turn 15 or 16 and you get your driver's permit, and somebody takes you out, starts teaching you how to drive, they have to teach you, sadly, to stop at a red light, right? Now, you may kind of know this from having grown up and ridden in cars, but when you get into the car for the first time as the driver, it takes you a little while to learn when I got to start hitting the brake to be stopped by the time I get to the red light, right? And so a, a brand new driver, a lot of times, they got to just nail the brake because they didn't start stopping quick enough, right? They may end up in the middle of the intersection, hopefully not in an accident. But something happens as you drive day after day after day, over and over, to now, not only do you don't have to think about when to hit the brake, you don't even really think about the red light. Your brain just kind of sees the red light without you even realizing it, and you just kind of start to brake at the exact right time. Now, some of us could learn to rewrite our neural pathways and stop a little sooner, right? because you're freaking everybody else out in the car. But I'm saying your brain kind of learns over time when to stop, why to stop, to where you don't even think about it anymore. This is how you rewrite your brain. See, you don't know that when you're eight. It isn't something you just learn with age. It isn't something that you learn from DNA or from your heritage. Your thoughts tell you to stop. Your actions then stop at that same time over and over and over again to where you've rewritten your brain to just respond instinctively to a red light. You're rebuilding your brain. Physically is what she's saying. And it manifests itself in these rote actions or these instincts that seem to be just the way we are but they were they aren't they were really learned behaviors from the way we used to think and those thoughts produce actions that over enough time just create instinct It's not the way you are you weren't designed to look at porn day after day after day you weren't designed to beat your spouse you weren't designed to hate and to be angry all the time and to blow up at people you weren't designed to be broke and to spend all your money on stuff you can't afford. You weren't designed to live that way, consumed by worry and fear and anger and lust. But over time, your thoughts have led you to actions. And those actions, given enough time, have become habits and now are just instinct. And a circumstance comes up and your instinct is to worry. A situation comes up and your response, without even thinking about it, is to click to the next website. Somebody does something to you and your instinct says to punch them. But you weren't born that way. You became that way. And you can unbecome that way. You can rewrite your brain again to live out a successful life. Ecclesiastes verse 7, verse 29, God says this, I love this, you weren't created to be that way, this is the way you were created, God created people to be virtuous, to have control of their minds, control of their actions, to live successfully, to live in a way that doesn't lead to destruction. but they have each turned to follow their own downward path. See, the problem isn't that the navigation system has given us bad directions. And the problem isn't even that we don't know what to do or how to do it. The problem is we've gone down our own path for so long that we've rewritten, rewired our brain to think differently than a virtuous way. To be convinced that the virtuous way is the unpleasant way is the wrong way, is the way for somebody else, is the way I can never achieve. I want to show you a little flow chart. I think I put this on those notes we passed out. But it'll be on the screen. You can copy it down. We'll just click through. You can just click to the end one if you want. And we'll look at it. But it's just a little flow chart that kind of shows you this picture I'm trying to paint for this series. You got it, Dan? Oh, I didn't put it in there. It's on your notes, though, I think, right? Somebody hold theirs up so I can see it. So you can fill in these blanks, right? Wrong thinking leads to negative attitudes, which leads to unwise actions, which leads to devastating consequences. Let me read it for you again, okay? Wrong thinking leads to negative attitudes, which leads to unwise actions, which leads to devastating consequences. But the opposite is also true. Right thinking leads to positive attitudes, which leads to wise actions, which leads to rewarding consequences. Do you guys get that? Let me hold one more second. Is that okay? Just messing with you. No, just here's the problem. When you get to the end of that, most people are good at recognizing devastating consequences. Okay? They know when their spouse has walked out. They know when their kids end up in the slammer. Right? They know when they go to the bank and there's a dollar in the ATM. They recognize devastating. They know when the bank takes the house, right? They know when they see their kid's face bruised and the police show up at their door. They recognize devastating consequences. We're good at that. The problem is that when we have devastating consequences, we tend to just back up to the unwise actions. And we think, if I just change those actions... Then I'll avoid the devastating consequences. The problem is, if you don't back the whole way up to the beginning of the flowchart, you're going to repeat the exact same devastating consequences. You've got to back the whole way up to right thinking. You can't just go back and say, well, I'll just do some different actions. And that'll lead me to better consequences. No, it doesn't work that way because your brain has been, has been rewritten to where those actions, you don't even think about them. You just do them as instinct. And then three months later, you find yourself hitting somebody again or spending money you don't have again or shooting up again. And you're like, I don't understand. I felt guilty about it. I wanted to change. I had the desire to change, but yet I still can't change. you got to back up past the action to the thoughts and change it in your mind. Get back control of your mind. So today I'm going to give you t- two keys to starting the process. Two keys to changing the way you think. So if you're sitting there like, alright I struggle with this. I keep doing the same garbage over and over and experiencing the same devastating results. or I keep doing the same things over and over and keep feeling the same way inside. Worried or afraid or consumed with anger or overrun by lust. If this is you, take some notes. Write it down on the paper. Get out your phone and put it in your phone. Don't continue to let your brain drive you around. Hop in the driver's seat and start steering steering the wheel. So let me give you these two keys to start the process. Ready for today? Here's the first one. Key number one. Surrender control. Surrender control. Now that sounds like something you'd hear in church, I guess. And sure enough, it happens to be in the Bible, so that's why we teach it. Surrender control. I'm going to show you this verse in just a second. We're going to look at it together in Romans chapter 12. But this goes contrary, this idea goes contrary to everything at the core of our being. In fact, we believe when devastating consequences come, when we mess up over and over again, when we struggle with the same thought over again, we believe that the key is tighter control. That if I can get a firmer grip on my life, then I won't make the same mistakes again. But God's Word is going to teach us the opposite. It's to surrender control. So look at Romans 12, 1 and 2 with me going to kind of work down through this together. Did I put Romans 1 in there, Dan? And so, so let's stop there just for a second. What he's saying, some translations say, therefore, or in light of, I, I usually use the NLT, so it says, and so, what he's saying there is this, in light of everything I just said, h- here's the response to that. In light of everything I just told you, here's what comes next. So what did Paul just tell him? In Romans chapter 11, Paul just told them, God loves you so much and has blessed you with so much mercy. In other words, you deserve so much punishment, but God has given you instead so much mercy. He's offered you so much blessing. He's loved you uncontrollably. And in light of that, or because of that, or and so, because God has loved you so greatly, and given you so much, and blessed you so much, and shown you so much mercy, and patience, and grace. Because of that, I beg you to give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice. So here's, here it is. What he's saying is, because of everything God has done for you, because of the mercy he's shown you, Because he hasn't zapped you dead for all the mistakes you've already made. Because he sacrificed his son's life when you didn't deserve it. Because he continues to love you when you continue to treat him with hate. Because of all that, give up control of yourself to him. Give your bodies to him. Sacrifice yourself to him. He says, a living and holy sacrifice. Now everybody in that time would have understood what living sacrifice was. But let me ask you today, what's the difference between a living sacrifice and a dead sacrifice? I can only think of one difference. You want to know what it is? The living sacrifice feels the pain of the sacrifice. And what he's saying to you is you've got to surrender control to God. And if you think it's going to feel good, you are wrong. It's going to hurt. Because everything inside of me is saying, walk out on that jerk. And everything inside of me is saying, punch her in the face and rip her hair out. And everything inside of me is saying, those kids will never learn. I'd rather just give them away. <laughs> and everything inside of me is saying, buy that and it'll make me feel better. And everything in sodomy is saying, shoot it up, and you'll feel better for a little while. And everything in sodomy is saying, swallow that pill, and the pain will go away. And it's going to be uncomfortable, and it's going to hurt, and it's going to be opposite of what I want to give up control. But that's what makes it a living sacrifice, that you're going to feel the pain. Who was it that told you that God's way would be the easy way? boy, did they sell you a lie. Because it's much easier to cheat on my wife. It's much easier to smack the guy who ticks me off. It's much easier to spend until the credit card is maxed out and then just apply for a new credit card. It's much easier to do the destructive things than it is to give up control and do things the way God says to do it. A living sacrifice. Why do you do it? Because of all He has done for you. See, for some of us, we've forgotten or maybe never heard anybody tell us that God has done everything for you down to your very first breath and every breath after. What has He not given you? Chance after chance after chance. Opportunity upon opportunity. Breath upon breath. Blessing upon blessing. Blessing. Surrender control. And it doesn't make sense. It goes contrary to everything in our gut. Because God changes you more as you control your life less. God changes your brain more as you control your life less. Listen, he goes on in verse 2 and says this. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world. What he's saying is don't copy what everybody else out there is doing because they don't know what they're doing either. They don't have control of their minds either. They're doing the same habits and thinking that you're doing. They don't take care of their minds. Instead, let God transform you into a new person, into a new way of thinking by changing the way your brain works. You guys see that? Instead, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way... Think. And then you'll learn what God's will is. Then you'll learn how to have a successful life. Then you'll learn how to have rewarding consequences. Then you'll learn what you've been looking for your whole life. How does God change the way I think? Well, He transforms me when I make myself a living sacrifice to Him when I give up control. As I surrender control, God transforms the way I think. And you're going to have to trust that God is wise and that God is right and that God has your best interest at heart because it's going to hurt and you're not going to want to do it. But to gain control of your mind, you must first give up control of your life. It doesn't make any sense, but it's what God says. Here's the second key, ready? Detoxify your mind. Step one, surrender control. Step two, detoxify your mind. It's like giving your mind a cleanse. A cleanse. And this involves kind of two pieces. If you've if you ever did like a bodily cleanse, you kind of know this, I guess, but... It involves expelling what has been toxic and intaking what is purifying to you. It's expelling what has been toxic and ingesting what purifies you. You can't just do one. Now listen, expelling what has been toxic from your life sometimes is going to be sad. But let's just keep it real today. If you're really going to get your mind right, control your mind, it's like going to AA and telling them, you've got to hit rock bottom. And once you hit rock bottom, let's build you back. Here's how you build yourself back. You recognize there's a higher power, a.k.a. you surrender control. Right? And then you've got to make some change. You've got to get some people or some things out of your life. You're expelling what has been toxic, and we're going to replace it, ingest stuff that purifies us. And for some of us, that's going to be sad because it's going to be some people in your life you're going to have to say, I just can't be friends with you anymore. You are toxic to me. Every time I'm around you, I get wasted. Every time I'm around you, I walk away hating my spouse more. Every time I'm around you, I leave feeling angry. Every time I spend time with you, I feel worried. And you're just going to have to expel those people from your life. Every time I drive by myself, I get into trouble. Here, will you take my keys for a month or two? Every time I get on Facebook, I talk garbage. Delete. But I don't want to delete Facebook. It's going gonna, it's gonna to make me sad. It's going to hurt my... I don't want to say goodbye to that friend. I really like them. It's going to make me sad. Who was it that told you surrendering control of your life and detoxifying your life was going to be Easy. It's okay if it makes you sad. That's what a living sacrifice feels. Pain. But you trust that God has something greater down the road. Look at 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 and 5. God kind of lays this out. He says, we are humans, but we don't wage war like humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down what? Our everyday struggles? No, no. A, a, a situation that came up that might be a little challenging? No. We use God's weapons to knock down strongholds, ways we've thought for decades, barriers that have been in our head our whole lives. We we knock down human reasoning. We destroy false arguments. I love this next part. We are destroying imaginations. You know what goes on up here in your brain? your imagination, your thoughts. It's the most powerful thing in the universe apart from God. And we've got to use God's weapon to knock those things down. Everything that's proud, that's raised up against the knowledge of God, we take captive every action? No. Every consequence? No. Every attitude? No. We take captive every thought, To make it obedient to Christ. You've been fighting the war in the action phase. But the war is fought in our thoughts. God's weapons where we give up control and we detoxify our life. Maybe not forever. Hey, listen, maybe three months from now, they'll be able to be your friend again. Maybe six months from now, you'll be able to trust yourself with the credit card. Maybe a year from now, you'll be able to trust yourself with a Facebook account. But maybe for right now, you've got to be a living sacrifice to those things. Why? So you can get your actions right? No, so you can get your thoughts right and get back control of your mind. Everybody close your eyes just for a second. I want you to use your imaginations just for a minute, okay? Can you see it in your head as I describe it? You're on a beach. And there's only a few people you can even see it's pretty sparse population you're laying there on the beach with your favorite people in the world and you're just relaxing and you hear the waves crashing onto the shore you feel the wind gently just kind of breezing through your face it's warm everything feels kind of perfect it's comfortable You've got something to drink, something to eat, and you're relaxed. Are you there? Okay, now open your eyes. Okay, you're back in Kentucky. I'm sorry to disappoint you, all right? But you see how powerful your imagination is? It can take you anywhere. It can think up anything. And it does that to us all the time something happens and our imagination takes us to the worst case scenario something happens and our imagination takes us to some other girl that'll make me feel better something happens to us and our imagination envisions perfect kids who don't cry in the middle of the night your imagination is so powerful but what God is saying is we take captive that imagination we we take those thoughts captive And make them obedient to what God says to think. We become a living sacrifice. See, because one of the greatest frustrations in life is to have the desire to change but not be able to. And God is saying, you can change if you will back up and take control of your thoughts first. Surrender control to me and then make all of your thoughts obedient to what I say. The first two keys. You see, that isn't going to change it that isn't gonna do it. You're right. You're right. There's three more weeks, but that's where you start. If you start anywhere else, you're gonna fail. You got to start right there. Surrendering control and detoxifying your mind. And be sure it's gonna hurt. It's not gonna be pleasant. It's gonna be painful because that's what a living sacrifice does. There's a story that's been told in churches for a long time of a guy named Horatio Spafford. I don't know if you ever heard of this guy, but he lived back in the 1800s. In 1871, Horatio Spafford lived in Chicago with his wife and their five kids, four daughters and a son. His son died, it devastated him. His only son died. A couple of months later was the Great Chicago Fire, and it ruined all of Horatio Spafford's real estate investments, and he was broke. He had just lost his only son, and now he was broke. And two years later, he had kind of crawled his way back to being able to sustain his family and live, and they decided to take a vacation back to England. He had some business to take care of, so he sent his four daughters and his wife ahead, and he would come soon after. On the boat ride across the Atlantic Ocean, they were struck by another vessel And the boat sank, killing 226 people, including all four of Horatio's daughters. He now had lost five children and all of his investments. His wife makes it to England and wires a message back to Horatio that simply says, Saved alone, what should I do? He immediately leaves for England to bring his wife home. And as he's crossing the Atlantic... And he gets to the spot where his four daughters died. He pens down the word to a hymn that's sung in churches all over the world today called It Is Well. Imagine losing five children, your wife stranded in England alone, having lost all your wealth. And he writes these words, When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, Thou has taught me to say, it is well with my soul. Nobody said it was going to be easy. It's going to be painful to be a living sacrifice. But if you want to take control of your mind, you're going to have to back up to the beginning and retrain your brain. And how you do that is by surrendering control to God, even when it hurts, even when nobody else is doing it even when it doesn't make sense to the people around you. And then take every single thought you have and force it to be obedient to God, even when it doesn't make sense, even when everybody else is saying that's stupid. You know the area you're stuck you know how to detoxify, who you need to get away from for a while, what you need to disconnect from for a while, what you need to put up some barriers in your life for for a while. It's not the answer, but you need to give your brains a break from some of those toxic influences so you can rewire your neural pathways to start getting to the consequences you want. Will you make that kind of surrender, the surrender that hurts, no matter how painful it is, Will you surrender control and detoxify your brain this week? No matter how painful it is, can you say it is still well with my soul?